The following is presented by Lanier Technical College, Concept One Pulley Systems, and Year One Classic Muscle Car Restoration Parts. Hit it! Hang on, you're now part of the fastest podcast on the planet, Bud's Garage Overdrive. Produced in the studios of Jacobs Media, located in beautiful downtown Gainesville, Georgia. On today's show, guest host and interviewee, four-time, 24-hour Le Mans champion, Johnny O'Connell, joins us to talk about getting back to Le Mans, modern Trans Am racing, and Roger Penske. All that and a whole bunch more informative automotive buffoonery right now. Let's kick it in overdrive. Welcome in, folks. This is Bud Hughes, resident car nut, and today's guest is uh, is a real treat. Um, kind of a shy guy, uh, grew up in Poughkeepsie, New York, and uh, he is going to be our guest for some topics, and then we're going to go into a podcast with him. And uh, aside from growing up in Poughkeepsie, he's been four time twenty four hours of Le Mans winner. You've been the overall winner in the Rolex race at Daytona. Uh, three-time ALMS champ, uh, eight-time Sebring champ, most wins at Sebring of anybody, as I as I recall, and a 2013 inductee, and I was there, into the uh, Corvette Racing Hall of Fame, and that would be Johnny O'Connell. Johnny, it's always great to have you in, man. Well, thanks for having me on. It's uh, always good to come in here, share stories, and uh, I need to correct. It's so funny, Poughkeepsie claims me. But I, that was actually an accidental birth. You know, I, I came out a, uh, a month early. My mom had been visiting, you know, my grandmother, and I decided it was time. So I really probably only was in Poughkeepsie for about, uh, you know, a week or so. But, uh, but yeah, Riverside, Connecticut, right by, by Greenwich is where so I So it was Connecticut. Through. Yeah, it was Connecticut. Well, everything, and, everything, it's on uh, Wikipedia and anything else. You yeah, know? I tell you, that just goes to show you can't believe everything you read Reading, on the internet. But, uh, but yeah, no, uh, great to be here. And, uh, and like I said, share stories. And you and I, of course, go way back to all the, the years when you were, you know, uh, doing such amazing thing at, uh, Lanier Tech. And helping guys get into racing, so uh, it's it's my pleasure to to join you today. Well, we appreciate the the compliment. We we you know I spent a lot of time on the steps of callers trying to get to talk to people, and you made the hookup for us. And over the years, it's been very successful. And you know, um, as long as you brought it up, Lanier Tech helps with this podcast every week. What what did you think of the guys from Lanier Tech that were in the motorsports program that worked with you on the? Corvette and the Cadillac team. Well, they no, they were extraordinary. Uh, the the first thing you know about those guys, they came in with passion. They wanted to be there. Uh, they came in uh, with a you know very strong foundation. Um, most you know, I mean, my Cadillac, the guys on my Cadillac car uh, were graduates and uh, and just great guys, really, really great guys, and. Uh, you know, it's it's been neat to see those guys. You know, a lot of them, uh, you know, uh, experience racing for a couple of years. It's a hard life. You oh, know, sure. Racing yeah. is yeah. a hard life, and uh, and so for young men, and then they get married and have a kid, and they realize, wow, it's tough traveling all the time. Um, and so, you know, several of them have ventured out into other automotive uh, type industries, and uh, but a great program that uh, you know, I know the guys at Pratt and Miller, you know, regularly, you know, call guys up. So uh, what they do there is uh, extraordinary, and, and something you should be proud of, that, you know, since you built it. Well, thank you for that. the The guys that you that you talk about, um, 
there's still some folks still out there uh, working with race teams, but the ones that have gone off and started their own business because of the things they learned on the race team, they still have that same hunger. They still have that same work ethic. And those were the people that were enjoyable to work with. And I know you enjoyed, you know, coming and talking with them and teaching them uh, on several occasions, you know, about getting into the sport. Yeah, it was always fun going in. Uh, you know, there'd be a group of anywhere from 15 to 20, 20 plus guys. Uh, very green when it comes to racing. And, and you had guys that, you know, you know, maybe some wanted to be in NASCAR or IndyCar, you know, sure, yeah. many went into sports cars. So you got a, you know, a wide range of, uh, of interest. And, uh, but what, I mean, you guys, you guys taught them all the fundamentals. And, uh, so, you know, they, it was, I, I know just from speaking to the guys at Pratt and Miller, very seamless blend into the team and, uh, all, all extraordinarily motivated young men. Uh, and I think they've, they've all done great. Well, one of the companies we worked with that was related to NASCAR was the Petty Driving Experience and their chief operations guy that was, you know, ran everything up there and, uh, in Charlotte, he uh, he said, when you train these guys, he said, what I want is a pastry chef. And I, I you know, I always, I always remember this because right. I said, what do you mean you want a pastry chef? He says, I want a guy that will punctual, will show up every day, is hungry to work, and we'll take care of it from there. And that that's about all you can do because there's so much to know about any of these cars that you can't, you know, you can't cover it all. You just... Let them know what they're getting into. Well, and you know, certainly in the in the sports car ranks right now, technology is out of control. You know, the NASCAR stuff is you know uh, you've got to take everything, which is a very defined set of rules and technology. I mean, there is no there is no technology really in NASCAR. I, I no, mean no disrespect put to them, but you know, relative to to Formula One or sports car racing, sports car racing right now is at a whole nother level. You know, technology-wise, uh, and then Indy cars. You know, it again, that's pretty much a, uh, you know, a series where everybody's running the same stuff. But either you have a Honda or a Chevy, and uh, it. Uh, so the parity there is pretty crazy. But uh, but yeah, sports cars with the traction control, with the ABS. You know, they're. Uh, it used to be your car would roll off a trailer. This is back in the the old golden days. <laughs> <laughs> and and rarely was somebody's car perfect. Now, with all the data guys are able to collect, uh, you know, those guys that got 1600s on their SATs are are making it so all these cars are super, super even. And it's also very easy to drive these cars at the limit because of ABS and because of traction control. Um, so uh, so the, the uh, learning about the technology, I think, for a lot of these guys... Uh, to completely understand it all would be difficult. I think guys will now be more have specialties like a gearbox guy or a right, guy that yeah. works on, you know, suspension mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And, uh, so the, the, the job of the mechanic is, uh, you know, there's less, I think, interaction now, uh, with the, with mechanics having a, a play in car setup and stuff like that. They're just basically whatever the engineer tells them to do, uh, they just, you know, they plug that into the car. But you got to do it right. Oh, yeah. So, so you got you know. to be precise. I mean, we're talking millimeter yeah. precise. Well, a uh, <clears throat> good place to learn that is the Near Technical College Motorsports Program, endorsed by Johnny O'Connell. Uh, we, uh, we appreciate that. All right, I want to get into some current topics, okay? Uh, over the holidays, uh, near the end of 2023, as you know, as we're recording, it's, we, we lost Gil DeFerrin to a heart failure. And uh, 
heart attack at, at the at a track much like what we have here at Atlanta Motorsports Park. He wasn't there. He was in Florida at a, at a country club track with his son. Uh, he was driving, did not feel good, and, and, you know, lost consciousness, and we know the rest. Did you ever get a chance to work with Gil? Well, not really. You know, I saw him at some ALMS races go way further back. Mm -hmm. So uh, I want to say it was 1989 or 1990, somewhere around there. I went over to test for Paul Stewart Racing. Mm -hmm. Uh, might have been even 88. Could have been 88. But uh, so went over to England. uh, Jackie Stewart had arranged the test uh, along with Bobby Rahal. And uh, the idea was, you know, at that stage, I really wanted to be the next American to, to break into, into Formula One to, to go the European route. Sadly, we, 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 even with Jackie Stewart and Bobby Ray all making phone calls, we couldn't get the money. But at that test uh, was uh, Mika Salo, David Coulthard, and Gilles DeFerrin. And uh, really nice guy, very quiet at that time. Um, those were early days of computers in race cars, and I... You know, at that stage, I was, you know, I was, I was, I was, you know, a crazy Viking. You know, I mean, I just would get in, drive the heck out of the car. And uh, he was much more involved in looking at the technical side of things and studying the data where somebody was fast and and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, I at that stage in my career, you know, I had more experience than him. You know, I, I did very well in the test. I was the quickest of everybody there. But, uh, you know, and again, even back then, motor racing was a sport about money. Sure. You know, and yeah. back then, to do Formula 3, either with Paul Stewart racing or there's another guy named Dick Bennett, you were looking at about 700 grand U.S. Yeah. To, to, in the 80s. In the eight. Well, yeah. this was late 80s, early 90s. And, uh, but that was the springboard you needed to, uh, if you wanted to go the, the Formula 1 route. Uh, sadly, you know, all the companies, the U.S. companies that we went to, Budweiser, Philip Morris, you know, R.J. Reynolds, when they were spending money over there, they wanted to spend it on a European or an English guy. Uh, they, really? Yeah, they, they really, well, because that way they looked more attractive to the British fans or the people that were paying right. attention to that stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I was blown away. I mean, you figure Jackie Stewart, Bobby Ray, all those are pretty big players. And, yeah, you uh, And so... Uh, you know, but, you know, I, I think God has a plan. And, uh, you know, Touchwood, things turned out pretty good for my career. I mean, shoot, I'm hard to believe. 61 men still getting paid to drive race cars. So uh, uh, I've got no complaints. That's interesting yeah. that you're getting paid to drive race yeah. cars. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. You know, racers accept the responsibility yeah. of possible death in a race car. I mean, yeah. You know, you don't, you're not just, you just don't throw it all to the wind. You you plan and plan and plan and, and do the safest things you can for the car. But you know, you just don't know how how uh, how 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 many race car drivers you know that take. I know they all work out at nowadays. Uh, some of them used to live pretty hard, but yeah, you know, nowadays they're working out and stuff. How how many of them really you know accept their more uh, their mortal yeah uh, life yeah and you know take care of themselves. By getting yearly checkups and all this tests and yeah. stuff that a lot of us go through. The the first thing that, well, you know, what happened to, to Farron is just tragic. Sure. I mean, that just, that, that broke everybody's heart. I mean, the guy's 56 years old. Yep. He's, you know, uh, and what a great champion and, you know, great guy. You know, I never got to know him on the social side. Uh, but uh, just a terrible tragedy and almost kind of makes you think that, you know, God's got a plan for us all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I'm unaware of what 
you know, whether he was keeping himself fit or, or, or that kind of stuff. If you are currently racing, you are required uh, to get a physical every year. <clears throat> so, you know, and when, you know, and men, we're stupid. You know, I mean, we, 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 I mean, nobody's going to deny this. You only go to the doctor when you don't feel good. Right. 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 And, uh, but that annual physical is a pretty important thing because, you know, you can catch things early if you, if you do have a medical issue. And, uh, so, yeah, no, you, uh, you know, racing licenses now, whether it's, you know, IndyCar or IMSA, whatever you're doing every year. And this is for the guys that are 22, 23. You yeah. got, you got, you got to get that, that physical. Is it really intensive though? Or well, is it you just, got, uh, you know, like well, a yeah, football the, physical? No, 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 there is, um, the, well, the requirements for the physical on paper are, you know, they're checking your vision. You know, do you have any, you know, Heart stuff. And, yeah, and heart that, stuff. Yeah. It's not really that, that in depth, but, uh, but, you know, generally you go in for a physical, they draw blood, they do all the tests, what's your cholesterol, mm, okay. all that yeah. kind of stuff. So, uh, it, um, you know, just one more thing to add to the cost of racing. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Uh, I was reading an article, uh, Lewis Hamilton. You know, he, he's had a tough couple of years, uh, you know, for a seven time, uh, champion. And, he now spends a lot of time in the factory uh, because he spends a lot of time, I don't want to say spying, he, he, he observes the other cars in the paddock. And he now, you know, is, is strong about wanting to have, get back where he was, yeah. okay? And before COVID and all this stuff. But he, he was affected by a, an aerodynamics rule, um, you know, his his cars more than some some other cars and so when you're out there competing are you going back to the factory and and working with the engineers and stuff and are you are you taking a look at the other guys cars and and seeing what's different about theirs than yours i know you're not you're not an in-depth car guy you're the driver guy but you have you have turned wrenches you you know what you're looking at the well here's the 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 difference okay so uh in formula one you know there's no balance of performance you build the best darn car that you can okay um and and you know and speaking to lewis hamilton I, i i i so admire the guy uh in that what an amazing race car driver. I do think he got ripped off and should have been an eight-time champion, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when Max got that, that first championship. And there's no denying right now Max is the guy. Yep. But Max is the guy in the best car. You know, I think if you put Max in a Williams, you know, okay, maybe he gets on the podium every now and then. But, uh, but you got, I mean, pretty much, you know, everybody knows the, the Red Bulls, the, the dominant car. But, you know, I think Lewis, Lewis is inspirational because, I mean, he's, he's won seven, you know, world championships, more races than anybody, and he's still hungry. You know, you can see it in his driving. He made, you know, one or two mistakes, you know, over the, over the season, pushing too hard. I think he had a, you know, an incident, incident with his teammate once. But, uh, but yeah, no, he's trying to, you know, he's paying attention and he's learning. But he's also, you know, in, in racing, the driver's the quarterback. The sure. Yeah. Driver's the quarterback, right? And mm-hmm. so, 
you know, if you see your quarterback and you only see him on Sunday, well, then, uh, you know, that, that, that's nice. But when you see that quarterback, you know, and this, that's kind of like Tom Brady. Tom Brady was great because he was always working, always trying to motivate the team oh, sure, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, Lewis going into the shop, letting everybody see how motivated that he is, how bad he wants to win. Uh, you know, that's a motivating factor. And so, uh, so I think it's a great thing, a great example. And, uh, you know, shows that guy's, you know, unusual commitment to, I think, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, him being at, at some point able to, to get that eighth world championship. What, what, is, the, what is the commonality uh, of the F1 cars? Is there, is there no homologation or anything like that? Well, no, they, they I mean, every car, it's a constructor's, you know, championship. So they, it's, it was really, really interesting. You know, uh, guy wrecks, they get the crane, they lift the car up, and then you start seeing photographs of what the bottom of their car looks like. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And then the bottom of the car, you generate so much downforce with that. You know, it's all different. And so, uh, you know, you go back, it wasn't an issue this year, but you go back to last year. Remember all the cars, they had changed the rules and all the cars had that porpoising issue. Correct. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Where the car would, you know, suck down, release, suck down, release. And so, you know, and again, Red Bull did not have the huge issue that the other ones did. Uh, and I think that, <clears throat> that comes down to Adrian Newey, you know, who has been one of the best aerodynamic, you know, engineers ever. I mean, that guy will, will go down and, uh, yeah, we'll go down in history. You know, I'm sure Wikipedia will get his stuff right. But uh, but it is, you know, I mean, it, it comes down to that. You know, how how does your car, you know, uh, how does the air help your car? And so, uh, you know, you expect, you know, Toto Wolf and the guys at Mercedes to really know what's going on. Sure. Uh, but uh, sometimes it's difficult to catch up. Yeah. Um, have you followed any of this Trans Am 2 series that's out? Yeah, tell me a little bit about, about that and how. When I when I first read about it, I was thinking, my gosh, these these are young guys, um, but you know everybody was at some point in time. But I'm seeing ten year olds in in quarter or not quarter midgets, uh, whatever they call them, micro midgets yeah. and wing cars yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, give me your thoughts on this and compare it to the old Trans Am series. That you you know that Tommy Kendall was it? Yeah. So I right now am of the opinion that Trans Am racing is some of the best racing. In the United States, mm -hmm. period. That TA2 category is just ridiculous. I like it because there is no technology. You don't have traction control. You know, you got an H pattern gearbox. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, you don't have ABS. And, uh, so if you, if you do well there, you've, you've shown that you can drive the car. The technology is not, you know, uh, not the difference. Now, there are some teams there that are better at setting their car up and, and know what the car likes a little bit better. But I, I, you know, and, but it's reasonable. I mean, it is, you know, if you want to do an entire series, uh, race, you know, season in Trans Am, I want to say it's 350 to 400 grand. I know what you're saying. That's a ton of money, right? Not compared. Yeah, to, but not you know. compared. If, if you just want to do, you know, let's say you wanted to do the four endurance races in IMSA in like an LMP2 car. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're looking at probably eight or nine hundred thousand. So it is, you know, and and even if you win, what do you get? Well, you're probably not get. I mean, that's the the thing. You know, let's say you get all these wins. Well, you're still, you know, to break into, you know, being a factory driver is difficult. 
So I think, you know, you can look at, you know, those guys, you know, and there's some young guys that are in Trans Am. There are some older guys as well. You know, you got Rafael Matos. I think Matos is probably late 30s. You got, you know, Mike Skeen. You know, you got some guys in their 30s. uh, Got a few in their 40s. Yeah, yeah, that are that are still strong. Um, So are they running like, are they running... Something that's similar to what they ran oh, back in the old Trans Am series, or yeah, are yeah. they running like an old Cup car? No, no, no. It's like the old Trans Am stuff. So these are these are these are these are you know cars that you know again. I think they're still big por- horsepower. I think they're like seven hundred fifty some odd horsepower. Purpose built chassis. Yeah, purpose built chassis. You got mm-hmm. several different you know uh, chassis builders, and then do you want to put you know a Camaro body on it or a Mustang body or you know whatever body you want to put on it? But. Um, Outstanding races. I think the races are an hour and five minutes, so you need to, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, learn about, you know, tire management and uh, and patience. And, you know, and again, and they're bloody hot. You know, these guys run can run cool suits, but it's not like, you know, modern day GTD car, you know, in that cockpit. It's not crazy hot. You know, I mean, I think the, the rules are it's only allowed to be like 98 degrees in the cockpit, which is you know, reasonably cool, but you're also, all those cars have air conditioning. So you're breathing cool air. And so athletically, you know, a Trans Am car is, is a whole lot more work. And, and in my mind, if you do well there, you can probably do well everywhere. Very good. Well, like I said, I've been reading about it and, uh, you know, wondered, uh, as a, as a series to get in to professional racing, because you're not going to get into NASCAR for that money. No. And are, are there, are the, I've seen that some of this, the teams are actually scoping these guys out to bring them into NASCAR or, you know, other series and that. Are these drivers bringing the money or is, are they, some of them being hired? I, no, I think it some, both ways? It, well, it kind of works both ways, but I think initially they're bringing money. You got to bring money. It's so funny. Like you'll, you'll hear about a guy being a member of the Porsche development team or the Acura development team or the Toyota development team. Those guys are all buying that. Sure. They're all paying for that, which I just found out this year. I'm like, Oh, I figure, you know, they had a tryout or something. No, you got to, you got to pay to play. And, uh, so I know that, you know, there's a, the, you know, one of the young guys in Trans Am, I think had some Chevy backing sure. and all that kind of stuff. And, and that would be, you know, that would be supplying them with engines or an engineer or something like that. It wouldn't be them covering the, the whole boat. But, um, but yeah, no, I hear that, you know, a lot of these young guys are, you know, destined for NASCAR and, uh, the but although I think there's a what is the kid's name? There's like some sixteen or seventeen year old kid that did really well in Trans Am oh, last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Connor Slipich or something, I can't remember. But apparently he got a ride for Daytona in an L M P two car. You know, at at seventeen. So you don't know whether you know, he brought money. I I would guess he brought money, but um you know, it is a, um, it, I, I think it's just a great training ground right now. And uh it is uh yeah, it's going to be interesting. The one thing Trans Am really lacks is that big footprint, the wow factor. You know, a lot of their races are uh, held in conjunction with HSR, Historic okay, uh, Sports yeah, Car Racing. Right. So it's not like, you know, you, you go to Petit Le Mans, you got over 100,000 people there. Well, you go to a Trans Am race, you might have twenty or 30,000. It, it's, it's not the, the big draw yet. Uh, I think that comes down to, you know... You know, them finding a way to create more visibility, you know, if they could get a major sponsor where all of a sudden there's prize money and, and better TV than just watching on YouTube, 
um, you know, that would help. But uh, if, if you're a race fan, if you love good racing um, and to see real talent, you know, Trans Am just delivers. You know, it is uh, I, it, I you know me, I'm an I'm an IMSA guy. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with BOP right now, it's yeah, I mean, all the cars are within three or four seconds. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it is uh, it, it and and that's good. But it, it was also, you know, you go back to the ALMS days and you would you might have like two, you know, in a cat in a class, you might have, you know, two or three, four cars that were really tight because they were good professional teams with professional drivers and then other guys, you know, uh, filling it, uh, filling it in. Now, you know, and, and you still were getting the same size crowds that, you know, IMSA gets today. Um, but, uh, you know, now it's, you know, everything is so bloody tight. And, uh, it, uh, you know, I mean, shoot, Daytona's coming up in a couple of weeks. And, and, you know, I mean, the past, you know, several years, it's literally come down to like the last five laps. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it is, uh, no, it's some pretty exciting stuff. Roger Penske has uh, chimed in on the future of racing, and why not? He's he's the man, and he he sees multiple uses for cars. And let's go back to let's talk about NASCAR for yeah. a minute. You brought up the Camaros and the Mustangs and all that. He thinks there's going to be another series. It's going to be a sedan type series that can race not only in NASCAR but in Australian supercar. You know the V8 supercars. Yeah. But now he was, you know, he was, he's been in that for a while, and I think he brought a lot of that to the new NASCAR that we see, whatever you know, whatever uh, generation it is now. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, you know, how could you ever go against the cap? <laughs> you, <laughs> well, you know, I don't I expect mean, you to go against him. He is, uh, you know, he's brilliant, and uh, and he's still, I mean, that guy, he's mind blowing. I think he's eighty five. Yep. He's still flat out, yep. you know, at every race. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, uh, a brilliant, a brilliant guy. So how you make that happen, I don't know. Um, you know, I look at NASCAR now and, you know, you go back into the Dale Earnhardt days, the Jeff sure. Gordon days. Um, you know, you had these mega superstars, those guys, Jimmy Johnson, they were making huge money. And... The stands were full. Yep. I turn on the radio, you know, last year I'm watching, and you you don't see that anymore. And I don't know whether that's just because, you know, uh, prices have gone up. You know, I think uh, I think NASCAR weekends used to be pretty inexpensive, and now everything's expensive. So uh, it uh, and then also, you know, the marketing you would see like, you know, uh, you know, you'd see Jeff Gordon on commercials or Jimmy sure, Johnson yeah, on right. commercials. And I just don't you know, you don't, don't see, see that. that no. You don't see that too much anymore. I think their racing is is pretty awesome. Uh, I, you know, I like I like IMSA because IMSA racing is always clean. SRO, it's always clean. You don't see a whole lot of contact, you know, uh, in NASCAR. <clears throat> excuse me. You do still see a lot of contact, uh, guys wrecking each other. I mean, it's like you're going into the last lap at, you know, Martinsville or something, and you're leading, and you got a guy all over you. You know you're going to get dumped. You know it, you yeah. know. And, uh, but, uh, and that's, you know, that's, uh, you, know, every, you know, I think the fans like that. You know, it's like, uh, who is that guy that, one of the coolest things I think NASCAR's ever, <clears throat> ever seen and I think it wasn't 23, but in 22, 
when Ross Chastain oh, yeah. did the video game move yeah. where he just, you know, he needed to get by Denny Hamblin, who was like five cars in front of him, last corner, last lap. He, he, he goes from fourth to fifth, never breaks for turn three, lays it up against the outer wall and just does a rim shot all the way around, gets and gets like five or six positions. Yeah. And uh, The old car would have never taken that. Yeah, well, the old metal car would have yeah. been destroyed. It, yeah. uh, but, uh, I think that was pretty cool. Sure. I think that was pretty, you know, good for racing. And, uh, so yeah, no, it, it is, uh, I'll watch Daytona and I'll watch Talladega oh, sure, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, it, you know, whether or not they can create, you know, whether Roger's looking at creating a global series where you do some races here in the States and then some down in Australia, you know, who knows? I just, you know, I know I'm trying to find sponsorship for my son to go racing. Sure. And it's so hard to find sponsors. Now, if you're Roger Penske, you're a pretty big fish. So you can, you know, I mean, any company that he approaches, they know they're going to get a, a, a good return and, you know, and have a, uh, have the spotlight on them. But, um, you know, and again, right now, I mean, uh, every series, it's, uh, you know, it's tight on money. And yeah. uh, it is uh, it is expensive. And it also makes you realize there's a whole lot of wealthy people out there. You know, yeah. I mean, when you when you figure you can drop over a million dollars for your fun, you know, I I am often like, man, you should have gone into business. <laughs> you see, you know, you should have gone into business as a young man rather than racing. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things that he brought up uh, was the... The creation of a hybrid series or a hybrid car, and and that made me think about Sparky. Did you did you ever get a chance to drive the the hybrid? Um, Thanos. What, 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 the LMP? No, actually, that was a GT1 car. Was it a GT1 it, car? It, okay. it came out first as a GT1 car. I was the first person to drive Sparky at a uh, at a racetrack over in England. Uh, actually, won a racetrack. It was an airfield. And, uh, and it was really interesting because at that time, you know, the, all the crew guys were working on it and they were wearing, you know, shorts <laughs> and, you know, short sleeve shirts and all that kind of stuff. I didn't drive it again. <clears throat> that was the only time I really got into it. And then when, by the time they showed up at Petit Le Mans, I think that was 90, goodness, 98, the first, uh, Petit Le Mans, I think it was 98. And, uh, and that, by that time, everybody's wearing like rubber suits. <laughs> Working on the same car, so obviously, yeah, no, there's yeah, Sparky. The carbon yeah. and the ele- yeah. electric uh, don't don't mix good. Don Don was so far ahead of his time in so many things. You know how do guys become a billionaire? I think they have a crystal ball. I just think they have the ability to to see the future. And I think hybrid racing, we're seeing it right now, really in uh, in GTP racing. Um, it you know that was. You know, they got a little bit of assist. They didn't have a big assist. Um, you know, Porsche came out, I think, wanna, I want to say in like 03 or 04, and they had a hybrid, you know, 911 type thing that uh, because of the weight, you didn't really worry about it. But on the straightaways, man, that that thing went. And uh, so I think, you know, I think Roger's got a point. You know, I don't think the answer is electric. I don't know anybody. I'm not in a, you know, proponent of electric. I think that's just, you know, once again, you know, our crazy government overreach. Um, nobody wants them. Dealerships can't sell them. And, uh, you know, it's like you, they had that hurricane, I guess, a year or two ago down mm. in Florida. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Tesla's littered the highway. Yep. Um, yeah. So, and then the, you know, there's not the infrastructure. I mean, I, if all of a sudden I started seeing mobile and shell stations putting up charging stations, 
then okay, all right, you know, but uh, I'm not seeing that. That's you know, a lot the, of real estate. That's a lot of real estate. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the only, I've thought about getting one for one reason, and that's because Atlanta long-term parking, the best parking spots are for the electric cars. <laughs> so uh, that, but that's the only, that's the only. So what reason. you do is you take your Cadillac. We talked yeah. about some college kid yeah. that did this, and he put the, he put the, he screwed the plug receptacle to the side of his Jeep because yeah. if you had if you had a, a hybrid or a plug-in yeah. hybrid or a plug-in anything, you didn't have to pay for parking, and it was a primo spot. So he yeah. just he just got the receptacle. His car wasn't a hybrid. He just yeah. screwed it on, and then he went on on Facebook or whatever and bragged about it. And they, yeah. you know, he, he probably parks you know in the next state now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, has to walk know, to school. The, 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 no, they're cool. I mean, I've I've driven a Tesla. And how about the uh, how about the E rate? I have not driven that. Heard about it. Um, that that could be pretty wild, pretty cool. Um, but I think you you know it even so. GM was really pushing EV hard. Yep. You know, Cadillac is going to be the EV division and uh, and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and you know, when you think EV, you think less expensive. You know, I don't have to. You know, I don't have to charge it and all that. Well, you know what? If you're charging it over at night at your home, well, yeah, maybe it's a little bit less expensive. But, and I just know this from talking to Cadillac engineers. I was talking to to one a very high up guy, and he was in the Lyric or whatever. And yeah, I had he, one of those for two days. I yeah, drove it, yeah. and he was uh, he was charging now up to eighty percent. It was inexpensive. But 80 to 100, it was really expensive. And so I'm like, well, how much did that supercharge or whatever they call it cost you? And he was like, I think he said it was $32 for 175 miles, right? And I'm like, yeah, and man, I'm no genius. But I'm like, that's not that good. You know, that's not that good. So, you know, and the other thing is the this cracked me up. So, all right, so I'm not a fan of California. I'm not a fan of it. And uh, so the day they mandated, I think it was like in 2032 or whatever, that all cars sold in California had to be electric. I land the next day because I'm racing at Sonoma. I land the next day and there's an alert. Please don't charge your cars. They were worried about having enough electricity. Brownout. Yeah, yeah brownout. Yeah. And I'm like, you, you knuckleheads. All right. And then. Nobody, I mean, China's building like, you know, two coal-powered, you know, power plants uh, a week or every two weeks, and we're not doing anything. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, think, you know, think. And uh, it, I mean, I could go on and on. I, I actually had a fancy dinner this year. Let me know if I'm talking too much. But it was, Never. It, it was in, it was in Detroit and, uh, with one of the senators, uh, the, the Democrat senator from uh, from Michigan, and somehow or another, the conversation <laughs> this should never have happened around me uh, went to electric cars, and uh, and one of the wives of one of the rich fancy guys. Oh, I love my Porsche. It's just you know I feel so good about what I'm doing for the environment, and and. Had I not had a glass of wine or two, I would have probably left her with my tongue bleeding. But I'd had a glass of wine or two, and so raised my hand, and I'm like, well, you guys have heard about the dust-to-dust principle, which is take everything out of the ground, build a car, you know, thousands of years goes back into the earth, which is more toxic, well, because of the battery, 
you know, the, the electric car is more toxic. And then I shared, you know, the, the story, like, I'm, I'm glad you can afford a $180,000 Porsche. Okay. Most people can't. And I'm like, and I'm like, cause I, you know, I told you I was looking at getting an electric car. So I go to the dealership here, you know, in Gainesville, the Chevy Bolt reasonable, not tricked out is, was 37 grand. Right. All right. Parked right next to it was the Chevy Spark or the whatever they, yeah, 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 yeah. they call mm-hmm. it. The little That gets over 50 miles to a gallon. Yep. And now I'm just looking for, and that's $17,000. Yeah. And I'm like, what's, you know, what is your average person going to do? You know, they're going to, I love the, that it's electric and all that kind of stuff, but I can get this thing, this other tiny little car, because it's not like the Bolt is a midsize. Right. And, uh, so, you know, I mean, it's just, to, to me, I'm not a fan of the electric. I think, you know, uh, that's being pushed on us too hard. And I think you can see that GM and the other manufacturers are, are starting to pull back because they realize that we're, we're building no, all we these cars. Get, we can't Somebody told me, like, Ford lost, like, $50 billion, yeah. something crazy like that on the on that. So, uh, But I do think hybrid, you know, is, is a, a great alternative. And, uh, and then I know a lot of, you know, strides are being made, uh, with hydrogen. So, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, I think that's coming in, in the, in the best, in, in the ideal world, you know, it goes hydrogen. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, um, I think you're spot on with the, yeah. the hybrid thing. Yeah. We have one at home. Tim drives one. Um, and, and there's good reasons, you know, there's room for everything. That's yeah. what I think. Yeah. Now you got some old cars at home. You ever? Do you ever do any muscle car restoration stuff or work on no, your stuff? No. So my yeah, my oldest car is my O2 uh, Corvette. Right. Sweetness, and uh, I work on it a little. I am, you know, my skills are so limited uh, when it comes to. You know, actually, you know, one of the cool things is though you can get on YouTube now and figure. Uh, yeah. And there's always somebody that. Just a hint. Yeah. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube and the guy's using a claw hammer. Go go to another guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, the, the reason I ask yeah. that if if you were restoring a classic muscle car, I would send you to the folks at Year One. Yeah, in Cornelia, yeah. they have got all this stuff. I'm always building these muscle cars for people and stuff. Yeah, and they've got the catalogs for the individual cars. And you know, if you've got a um, a Pontiac Trans Am or Camaro or or all the different cars that they offer, they're just great people. And and the cool thing about calling them is they know what's related to what. The other parts of the car. So if you're calling them, you're saying, "I need, I need this for my dash. I need the gauges. I need that." And they'll, they'll, they'll start to ask you, "Well, how about you know the console and uh, other parts of the car?" Because these guys have built cars. So if you're gonna, you know, if you if you decide, Johnny, if yes. you get an old car and you want to fix it up, I'll help you out with it. But we're gonna go to year one to get the parts. Yeah, well, uh, I've yet to meet the year one guys because I don't know whether I have that ability. I don't know whether I'm ever gonna retire. But when I retire, maybe I will. You know, I, I always, uh, one of my very early cars was a Triumph TR6. Okay. And yeah. so I would work on that. And, and it was funny. I realized I was a pretty crappy mechanic when I did an engine change once and then had bits left over. Mm. Now it, it still ran. And, uh, but I think bits left over is not a good sign. No. Yeah. You may want to check out the year one website, yeah. yearone.com. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's talk a little bit about Johnny's. Racing, yeah. all right? Last time we had you here was, I mean, well, it was last year about this time. So you were just getting into the 2023 season. And and the thing I wanted to ask you first was you left the, you left the conversation that was either on the radio show or on the podcast with your Marketplace post. 
for your toilet. Yeah, <laughs> that thing sold. It did yeah. sell. Yeah, it did sell. Give us a little history on and and who who was the lucky recipient? Were I, they in this country? I, uh, no, no, no. It was. What did you learn about I toilets and all the, that? The, well, that was sold. Like I had an old cottage on the lake right. that I I finally knocked down. And I'm like, well, there's no reason to trash, you know, nice Kohler toilets, you know, and other, you know, fixtures. So I yanked those out. And, uh, well, then I built the new house and I, you know, didn't use that toilet. I used, <laughs> this is such stupid conversation. So, uh, but, but I of all yeah. people, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. thinking to myself when I see the post, I'm thinking, Johnny, yeah. Johnny. Yeah. Well, I didn't know it <laughs> went it. to, I didn't know it went to everybody, <laughs> but, uh, I just thought it would go to people. I'm not really good at that social media stuff, but, uh, I just thought it would go to people that were looking for toilets, but uh, but anyway, you know the guy I got seventy five bucks for it, so you know he got a he got a smoking deal. Did I he mean, did he give you the history of the toilet? Did I he know did, all about the toilet? I, I know, but he he looked it over real close, oh, so okay. yeah, no, I, I I cleaned it up really well. You have any other family events that went on uh, in twenty twenty three before we get into the race and stuff? That- um, you know, it my my uh, you know I'm really happy. My daughter, you know uh, Kelly, she has moved back to Gainesville mm-hmm. after being out right. in California for two years. Uh, life is going well for her. You know, my son, uh, last year raced, he, on a crappy team and, uh, which was very unfortunate, but he learned a lot. And so, uh, so I, yeah, last year I got a lot of father son time that I really loved and appreciated. So, uh, you know, we go into 24 and, uh, you know, I'm pretty excited, motivated. And, uh, what were you driving in 23? So in 2023, I raced for a team called Ski Autosports, SKI, and it stands for Spending the Kids Inheritance. Okay. <laughs> a, uh, a great, great couple. Um, and, uh, the race team is kind of like their, their children mm-hmm. and, uh, big racing fans and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we started the year in a 11 year old Ferrari 458. Racing against guys with brand new Mercedes and Porsches and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the very first race, I think we got like a fifth and then a sixth. In uh, an 11 year old car? In an 11 year old car. The next race we went to at Coda, I actually got the pole. Mm-hmm. And, uh, because it was damp, it was a damp racetrack and I, you know, I, that you, you could make up for a little bit. Now, 11 year old car, what kind of electronics and stuff were in this car? Well, no, it's still, it's still at ABS. Okay. It, it still had, you know, traction control, but trust me, man, electronics have come a long way in 11 years. So, you know, in a, in a modern day, you know, ABS system, Bosch has like really done some crazy stuff. You can actually put one side of the car on rumble strips. And then still, and the, you know, get into ABS and the car will maintain, you know, uh, stability. Well, you can't do that with the old ABS. It would, the car would get all oh, squirrely. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so just little things like that. The, the, the efficiency of the track control, all that kind of stuff. Can you but, turn it off? Uh, well, you can turn it off, but you get, you don't want to turn it off. Okay. Yeah. You're at a huge disadvantage. Um, and then, uh, but we won one race at, uh, Coda with that car. Then we switched to an Audi. Uh, a 10 year old Audi and, uh, we won Nashville and we podiumed, you know, twice at Sebring. We, no, we did, we did really well with that car. And, uh, was it something that, you know, we got, we, I think we got a third place at VIR and, uh, we raced pretty good. It was, it was enjoyable as hell. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, after, you know, my last real season racing was 17 with Cadillac and now I'm with this tiny little team. An amazing uh, engineer, uh, this, uh, this woman named Rosella, uh, very, she's very tied in with Ferrari. I don't know. 
Initially, I think she felt dirty working on, you know, engineering an Audi, you know, and uh, but then she then she came to like it. And uh, so, you know, great team. And, you know, for this year, we got a 2022 Audi. Oh, and cool. uh, so I got something much more current. And, uh, you know, we only did seven of the nine races last year. Uh, the goal was they got this stupid thing called the Masters Championship, which is for guys over 60. And whoever plays, you know, over 60, you get that championship. So that would be my 11th championship. I don't like it, though. And so, uh, <laughs> I mean, master, over 60, man. So anyway, so next year we're, 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 you know, we're going, the team is committed, uh, to running the full series. And, uh, hopefully I can, uh, put things together and, uh, get another championship for them. I'd really love to do it. I know that'd mean a lot to them. What other plans you have for this year? How many races will that well, be? That's, you're not uh, yeah. at Daytona or anything. No, what what not, series is this? This is SRO. SRO, which is? This is SRO with the old World Challenge. Okay. And uh, so, you know, I would like to, you know, one of my biggest goals is getting back to Le Mans. And uh, so, you know, they, they have the stupid driver's rating system. The lowest category, which represents, you know, the slowest inexperienced drivers, is called bronze. Generally, it's reserved for the guy that brings a million bucks or whatever to the team. And But with age, you get downgraded. So I was uh, the highest rating all the way up to 50. Then I got downgraded to gold, then at 55 to silver. Well, when I turned 60, uh, now I'm a bronze. I'm considered a brand-new uh, amateur. So having... The, Do they give you a million dollars with They that? give you nothing. Okay. They give you nothing. And uh, it is the French. They will not give... They, you must give them. Uh, but uh, the... Uh, so, but it's very difficult. Le Mans, if you have a fast bronze, okay, and they're, they're rare, but if you have a f- fast bronze, your odds of winning or at least getting on the podium go up dramatically because normally the bronze guys... Is a guy that's like, I don't know, three to six, seven seconds off the pace of fat, a pace of fast guys. So I think it's February when the ACO, you know, puts out who they've invited to be at Le Mans. Le Mans is an invitation type race. And at that time, I'll reach out to all the teams and, and see what they need to make that happen. So, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully I get back to Le Mans. I've got every record there for an American. I've got the most wins. I've got the most podiums. Uh, actually, I have the most consecutive finishes at Le Mans of anybody in history. I'm kind of proud of that. Yeah. And uh, But I don't have the most appearances by an American. So I'm at 15, and there was a guy named Maston Gregory who actually, you know, was there 16 times. So uh, so I want to tie him this year. I'm, uh, so, you know, that's one of my primary goals. What kind of car you want to run? Done whatever I can get into. An LMP2 car. I'm not going to get into a GTP or... You know, uh, I, I forget what they call it in, in WEC, but, uh, or, you know, a GT car, whatever, you know, if there's a seat available, you know, that's, that's what I'm going to be hunting down. Okay. Yeah. Neat stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. So how many, how many races will you run, do I you think, think, this I, year? I think, I think SRO is either seven or nine. I can't remember. Uh, and, uh, and then Le Mans. And then you never know what else is going to come up. You know, along with that, I do some coaching. For there's a series called the Ferrari Challenge, which is a, a series that where everybody's running the same car. It uh, the Ferrari 488 Evo, and all the all the drivers that persist participate in it are your you know the wealthy of the United States, and uh, 
And all these guys need to have a coach. The Ferrari requires you got to have a coach, you know, to keep you safe because these are wicked fast cars. And uh, so, uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll be pretty busy. A fair amount of travel. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to, to the season getting going. How does Ferrari look at um, the when you say you have to have a coach? How do they, how do they look at the, the resume of the coach? How do they, how do they come up with that coach? They, well, usually, all right, so there's a guy named Didier Taze. Yeah. And Didier's right. a guy, great race car driver. Right. He, yeah. and a guy, he and I go all the way back to 1986 when we raced against each other. But he is the, he is the guy at Ferrari. He's been a Ferrari employee, gosh, 20 some odd years now. And so he, you send your resume to DDA. Um, it's generally, you know, guys that have racing experience. Uh, and some, some of the guys I'm like, never even heard of you. Yeah. But, but generally you've also guys that have been a coach, whether it's Skip Barber or, you know, what used to be Bonderon or something like that. So, uh, so yeah, you have to, you know, you can't just be a guy that, you know, uh, thinks they're a good driver you gotta you gotta have some sort of resume yeah uh now you mentioned uh, and this is so i'm going back here doug feehan yeah. was, was in with us last year and he said he wasn't a gm employee yeah he was a, he was a liaison yeah which gave him uh, a lot of wiggle room on things he wanted to do and try and and uh you know uh that type of thing as you were racing for gm were you a, their factory driver? Were you a GM employee at some point in time? Private, or were you no, always, private no. contractor, private, private contractor. contractor. Okay. And the, the reason they do that is because GM lawyers are like, well, if this guy gets killed, mm-hmm. we got to be insulated. We got to be insulated right. uh, from a lawsuit. And who knows what, what would have happened. But, uh, but yeah, so you had a, you know, you get paid five times a year mm-hmm. and, uh, and yeah, and then you would also you you would out of that you would have to cover your own expenses because I mean if they were booking your hotel like when I drove for Panos or when right, I drove yeah. for Nissan you know they covered the flight they covered the hotel per diem uh, rental car all, the whole nine yards you know GM didn't do that because I think they again attorneys would be like you know if all of a sudden I'm like yeah but you're paying for my hotel it kind of makes me an employee. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, it, that was uh, so there was that separation. Did you bring there. money to the team, or did they just no, want no. your talent? No, they just wanted my talent. They, they, the, the, I, I, I always at GM was was compensated well. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you know, in '08, I think when that you know when the crash happened or whatever, yeah. or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and they did the restructuring, we all got took a pretty big hit. Um, and you know, it slowly, you know, moved back. The problem, the big problem is that when you're racing for a factory or you're one of the top guys, and I'd like to think I was one of the top guys, you know, that every year that they're getting a hundred resumes yeah, and they're getting resumes from guys that are, and I mean, some good guys, but they're unemployed. So if let's say, you know, I'm getting paid X, they're going to them and saying, I'll do it for X divided by three. Yeah, right. You know, I'll do, I just want to race. And so what happens is all of a sudden everybody's wage gets driven down because the, you realize, well, I can get, I can plug this other guy in who's an ex IndyCar guy and he's willing to do it for 150 grand less, you know? And so it, uh, it's a very difficult negotiation to keep your rate at a decent rate, you know, to which, you know, I, I would always say, look, it's a half million dollar car. All it takes is one wreck. 
Sure. All it takes is one wreck. And the money that you thought you were saving, now it's out. You know, with me, you got a pretty good record that, okay, I'm not doing anything stupid. And uh, so it is, uh, yeah, no, the, the, you know, and gone are the days. You know, you go back to the late 80s, early 90s when IMSA was supported by, uh, by Camel, uh, the tobacco company. Sure. Guys back then were making, you know, 700 to a million dollars. Okay. And, uh, nobody, I promise you, is making that these days. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. And so, uh, it is, uh, you know, and again, it comes back down to there's a whole lot more people wanting to do it. There's a ton of people that can bring money. And, uh, so it is, uh, yeah, no, it is a, it's a very dog eat dog world right now in, uh, in racing. Can you, can you come back and spend some more time with us and talk about the dog eat dog part of it and, and who's racing and how they're getting into racing and, oh, yeah. and some more, yeah. some more current events yeah. in our, in our part two? Yeah, no, I'd be happy to. All right, man. Uh, we look forward to doing that. And, uh, thank you for taking the time to come in and do Bud's Garage Overdrive and, Get some Italian food in the works. And, there we go. And and work o- o- always a pleasure. I am. I'm, I'm always, you know, uh, easily bribed with Italian food. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Johnny O'Connell, uh, racing champion, great friend, and uh, you know, we thank you for diving into this the first time you did a podcast with us, and then being silly enough to come back and do it again. Always my well, pleasure. We love you know, man. call anytime. All right, man. Thanks. Well, you may not be Johnny O'Connell, but if you're a high-performance guy and you've got an LS Chevrolet engine, Concept One has got the pulley system for you. They've got a 10-rib kit for Magnuson and Heartbeat superchargers, alternator, AC, and power steering. And these these things will support uh, crazy horsepower. We're talking up to 15 pounds of boost. And, uh, you know, that that's that's crazy on a streetcar. Uh, but the... the uh, the systems that have been out there so far have been eight rib systems, and you can toss them off. Well, with this new 10 rib system, it's called the Max 10R, and that ain't going to happen. So if you're out there building a hot, and I mean hot, LS uh, engine, these things will be great for you. And they also have the alternators, the uh, AC condensers, or AC compressors, not condensers, AC compressors, and the power steering units to fit these same engines. So you need to call them up, find out, you know, let them know what you're building. And you're talking to the guys that actually make this stuff. Let them know what you're building, how you're going to put it together, what components you need. They will give you the advice and get you headed down the road. Check them out at Concept One Pulley Systems, C1.com. All right, Producer Bill, it is time for some thank yous. Thank you, bud. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Thank you for the job you do every week. And, uh... Producer Bill also has a side gig. You want to tell us about that? Well, thank you, sir. I will. Yeah, DJTrivia.com is our website. We're a nationwide trivia company. I do the uh, game generation. I write a bunch of the questions. And if you're in the Northeast Georgia area, I host some of the games evenings. Uh, they're family-friendly. Come on out and see us. So just type in your zip code at the website and find out where a location is near you. Well, we can testify. You are a cornucopia of... I won't say useless information, but different information. I just figured out I've written 4,000 questions in 15 months. Wow. How many of them do you have the answer for? All of them. Oh, good. Some of them are even correct. <laughs> do what we do. We make it up. also want to thank uh, Year One, uh, the Muscle Car Restoration folks in Cornelia, Georgia, Concept One, and Linear Technical College, uh, Jacobs Media for the studio, and the use of DJ Bill, 
And, of course, our special guest and co-host this week and interviewee, uh, Johnny O'Connell. He'll be back next week to do part two of, uh, of a discussion of uh, current automotive topics, uh, a little more racing stuff, and uh, travels with Johnny. We'll just hand him a mic and let him go, Bill. What do you think? Sounds like a plan. Yeah, sounds like a plan. All right. Meanwhile, we want to uh, remind you about uh, Bud's Garage, the radio show that is on terrestrial radio. And you can also upload it at the same podcast site that you're listening to this on and uh, get the radio show that we do every week and, uh, you know, learn even more informative automotive buffoonery. Meanwhile, keep between the ditches, shiny side up. We'll see you next week right here at Bud's Garage Overdrive. Have a great week.